0: He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Delray Beach, Florida, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome to a discussion about horses. Why, where,
1: when, and how. It isn't about figures. It isn't about trips. It isn't about biases. It's about why and how horses move. And Ron, let me bring in my buddy from Las Vegas. Ronnie, I think this Zoom class and this podcast that comes out of the Zoom class, I thought opened some eyes.
0: I agree. Open mind. What we're about to hear now, if you didn't hear the Life is Good conversation in the previous episode, just scroll down one you can hear that. It teases up for this one though, because there were two other derby preps other than the one. Life is good ran and won, and one running wide and wider and widest in the stretch run at Santa Anita in the San Felipe Saturday. But we had Weyburn winning at 46 to one in the Gotham and Helium at 15 to 1 in the Tampa Bay Derby. So at Aqueduct and in beautiful Oldsmar, in Florida, that's where the other preps were run. So, not to ignore them, and not to ignore something else, Bruno. What we're about to hear is you talking about breathing. Yes, we did talk about
1: breathing, not breeding. Ah. We talk about that. We talk about that later. But we talk about why some horses seem to stop, why some horses, and you know, uh, displace their pallets. And what it is and and how it's fixed and i thought it or how it's maybe corrected and i think i thought that was a really interesting conversation and it's I, i i am i wrong to think that you don't hear this stuff on mainstream media
0: well you don't hear it largely you don't hear it not only on mainstream media you don't hear it at the track usually because crowds are there and if you're watching on tv now when crowds aren't there They're not necessarily miking the racetrack to hear the horses, but wow, I certainly heard at the racetrack Saturday with no crowd at Santa Anita, sounds I had not heard before. And it was funny, from your lips to God's ears, you explained them as we actually started out talking about the other preps that were going on last Saturday.
1: To me, Weyburn on our Delta figures got a 34, uh, which is pretty slow. helium got a 29 and life is good took a step backward uh he had gotten 25s and 27s and now he's up to a 29 i had him going backwards uh then um than what um has been given as some of the other um some of the other um right joe um by some of the other figure makers now here's the interesting part essential quality is a 23 the lower the better um so the races that i saw this weekend didn't make a dent in what essential quality has run he ran 25s uh he ran 25s as a two-year-old and now he's and he ran about a 23 in the um in his comeback race um Cato River, I believe, is around the 26. So he's he's pretty very fast as well. Uh, greatest honor. In the Holy Bull, he got a 27. But you guys remember I kept saying I thought the Holy Bull was about four points slower uh, than what – uh, 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 about a second slower than I thought the real race was. So I would probably say he got a 32 or a 33 out of that. But I can't – Pin it down, but in the Fountain of Youth, he ran a 38, which is a lot slower. So um, the numbers, the numbers are interesting as far as um, as far as this weekend coming around. Also, um, a very impressive uh, dirt uh, a very impressive maiden winner uh, for Todd Fletcher uh, was a horse named Untreated at Tampa. He got a um, what it was interesting, he got a he got a figure that could be um, be something to look at, take a look at. He had a twenty nine for me on the raw number. Um, now those are subject to change once uh, we get them and um, we adjust if we have just any ratings for that day. Um, Bruno, was he a horse that just needed distance? Um, well, I'll tell you what, which we untreated, what the issue was he ran before he ran first time out, he trained really, really well. And he didn't run a lick for, you know, for Chad Brown first time out. I know Chad really liked him. I, I talked to Chad about him and, but he thought he needed more ground, but also the horses from the real, from, from the, um, the estate of the late Paul Pompa Jr. And, uh, he was, um, Slated to go into a dispersal sale, and that's not something that they just put them up for sale. It was a dispersal. It was already etched in stone. They were going to get rid of them. Um, they were selling everything. The horse was bought for five hundred thousand. I had three, four clients who actually betted him out, and um, they he had some chips that in 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 the ankles, and I think it was the ankles because I don't think it was knees. But the the chips were, according to vets, not problematic, and they probably weren't going to bother him. And you wouldn't believe how many times horses do have chips in their joints, but it doesn't bother them. Um, And um, the biggest issue that he had was he had some thickening of a suspensory uh, ligament and, and, and a front leg. Now, the thickening meant that they couldn't tell if there had been uh, a tear or there had been some trauma where he had hit it against something. Sometimes you don't know because there's a small hematoma around it, and sometimes it takes a while to go away. Um, but Team Valor took a chance. It took it from 300000 had There was a couple of clients, and one particular person in California that was ready to spend half a million on them. Um, but because of the vet reports, they really backed off, and he, he sold for 300 Now, I understand one of our partners, and Peter, one of our partners on, on It's My Tune, owns a piece of, of him. And he told me that they did a myectomy to him. Um, and a myectomy, uh, and, and Ron, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, myectomy, uh, horses dis- displace. And what I mean by this place is that their palate, okay. Some okay. Every horse has a different type of jaw, just like we do. Okay, uh, we have different jaw. We have different makeup of the way our 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 breathing, the way we ha- the way we're built, from the jawline to the neck and everything. Same thing with horses. And some horses are parrot mouth. Some horses have some horses have um, an overbite. Um, some horses simply do well by holding their head their comf- uh, in a comfortable manner to be able to breathe. And what happens sometimes, if the rider grabs a hole a little too much on some horse, it'll create the, the palate. Here's your throat, right? The palate comes smacking down on the, on, on, on the throat and cuts the air off. It's, it's like you have taking your vacuum your vacuum running and you take the hose out and you put your hand on top of it. What happens? Creates a sucking, uh, feeling.
0: It's as I read just now. So my authority and knowledge of this is now literally a minute old. It's the difference between breathing through your mouth and breathing through your nose, right? Can't breathe through
1: their mouth. So what happens is they, you, if a myectomy is if I'm not mistaken, is they, what they do is they cut certain muscles that don't allow that palate to flip down on top of, on top of the, on, on top of the, uh, on top of the airway. And by flipping down on top of the airway, you cut off the air. I have heard horses in midstream, made in mid race at the eighth pole, and their airway cuts off. It sounds just like your 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 vacuum clean. You ever gone to the car wash and use those high powered uh, high powered uh, uh, vacuums, yeah. and you actually hit it into your carpet and it stuck there, and it makes this really loud sucking noise, and basically like like a whoop, you know. And that I makes- heard it. I heard it
0: at Santa Anita this weekend, more so than ever in especially early races. And I was, uh, all day Thursday, all, uh, pardon me, all day Friday, and early races Saturday, I heard that sound, and I thought about you, Bruno. I didn't know you were going to bring this up. I didn't know the context. Didn't know what I was even hearing. Sounds like a gunshot. Yeah, it's like what was that? And it's the horses sucking for air. Yeah,
1: and and it's because the palate comes down on top of the airway. So what? Ha- and in fact, I have a horse that had that did that the other day when they grabbed it. You know, the writer said, as soon as I grabbed it and I moved her mouth, she cut her hair off. And what happens is that filly has got a parrot mouth, and she's got that parrot mouth. So what what we have? So what happens is that because she's got that overbite, it's like a, a a TMJ thing. You know, if she moves her mouth a certain way, it cuts her hair off. So I have had horses. I had a horse named Empire Road. And you know, my trainer put all this equipment on him, right? And he had his head stuck out. You could tell he couldn't breathe. We'd watch him in the morning, and I said, this horse moves like he's fine. What do you have on him? He says, I only got a leather bit and a tongue tie. I said, don't put anything else on him. He took all this equipment off. And then we stood behind as he was galloping. I watched him from behind, and the horse ran with his head cocked to the left. How many horses that, that you've seen, you go, God, he runs funny with his head to the left because what they do is they move their head to make themselves comfortable to breathe. That's how they can handle things. Some horses hold their head up in the air because that's how they get most of their air. Monomoy girl's got a very high headset. Um, Usually we don't wanna see that, but what happens with she's learned that if she holds her head up higher, she probably gets more air than she does down. It's also how you're built through the neck. If someone, if you ever try, try to run doing one of these like this. Have you ever tried to run like that? Try and see how much air you can get in. None. And that's what happens sometimes when you get a rider that pulls the head down, the horse goes like this, you can't breathe. So a lot of the times, it's each individual horse how they actually hold their heads because they know how to do that so we slap all this equipment on them and it doesn't do any good just leave them alone put nothing on them put but absolutely zero on them and 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 just let them adjust themselves but you may have to give them help and what they do is they cut a hole right in the, in, in in the area just open it up and they cut a few of the ligaments That are that are that are that lead to the palate. Now, what the vet will tell you, you know, the degree of how tight those ligaments are. And and that can and and also um that can that's why I say look at the equipment that horses have. Look at the equipment that life is good has. He has got uh, he's got a number of different equipment on him. He's got a martingale in the morning he's got a figure eight nose band he's got this he's got that he's got the prong bit on I mean he's got everything that tells you they are putting the kitchen sink into him to try get him not to to be able to to lug out or to or, and I think there's some breathing appar- issue with him too that I can't prove, but I, I, I can tell you, when they're lugging out like that, there's also a breathing issue involved. So the, the point is, is that when, when, when you have that and you have that, that, that displacement, it, the myectomy, they cut it and it basically relaxes the palate so it doesn't come down on the airway. And, and, and now all of a sudden it can breathe. The horse doesn't get his hair cut off. So from what I understand, they did that to untreated. And all of a sudden, that's what you saw, and you saw the next time out. Because there was a work when when Todd first got him that I didn't like it at all. I went, what happened to this horse? So little things like that that can happen that you don't know about, but yet can be very helpful. This is why I say you need to watch the way a horse's head is placed. How many times have you heard me say that?
0: I think Prime Factor is one of those horses. He's another one. I was watching a race of Santa Anita in the booth, sitting next to old John Sherva from the LA Times, and I said, "Look at that! One head high, one head low." As they were going into the first turn,
1: you know, but, but it's all you know. Each individual horse is different, and and but, but you get the norm out of an individual horse, and then you see something different. Remember a few times I said. That horse isn't traveling right. Kevin, how many times have I said that? I said, he's, that's, he's not moving right. You know, I don't like the way he's got his head placed. And you were right it,
2: about uh, Roman Centurion, too. Again, he did the same thing and it answered the question of why in his earlier race, when I had him at 11 to one, why he didn't go on, because he looked he would go on. But after looking at those videos last week, it was clear why he didn't go through that hole that day. And he's probably when it gets when he gets tired at the end, he's not going to be able to summon at the energy necessary to get through there.
1: And the great one was the other one too. Besides the interference, yes. on the turn, he showed nothing, and you know he's not going to rally because he can't finish. There's reasons why horses stagger late. Um, there's reason. There's there's um, there's reasons why horses do what they do, and it's just like people. You know, if you, you all of you, I want you to pay. I've got an assignment for all of you. Everybody on board for an assignment. A lot of homework. Patrick yeah,
0: I got an assignment last week that I completed. He didn't ask me about it, but uh, yes, I'm I'm in line for. You never one. got hold of Brendan Walsh. The hell I didn't. Did you read Horse Racing Nation? Did anybody else read it? And I asked about. No, that but did tell him about Blue Cat. Oh, you better go back and read it. What did he say? Go back and read it. You mm. want you tell us to read your email to get the correct address to get into this? I got your assignment right there. It's right there. He <laughs> <You> didn't <laughs> tell
1: us no, that. Ron? He was what too far that race. You know, he was too far back in the race. But I texted I had everybody was writing me, Ron. And I'm like, I go, yeah, flatter, you know. But um, the whole thing is I got an assignment and Ron, this is for you, too. Okay. I want you next time you're out and about. I just want you to take the time and look at the way people walk. I want you to pay attention how people put their feet down. I literally want you to I mean, you might somebody might think you're a perv. So don't you know, but just watch the way people walk and how they put their feet down and how they go through their knees.
2: Bruno, I actually have some feedback on that because that's something that I did for years and years because I was uh, looking doing at some people? running and I was wondering about different gates and how you landed, feet toe, heel first or toe first. And my observations were that most people hit toe first when I was watching them, which is incorrect. And I, I watched I, I was keeping Heal a tally literally for a Heal long time. Heel the toe. Well, that's the correct way. I'm talking about in actuality. You know,
1: but my point is, it's not about with, with they land on their toe on their heel. It's how, when, which part of their heel and their foot are they landing on? I was walking with a friend of mine and we were talking about horses and, and she asked me, what do you see? And I said, there was a guy walking in front of us. We're walking down, down the strand with Joe. And oh I gosh. said, look at the guy in front of us his knee buckles in and he puts all the pressure on the inside left of his foot. When he lands, his shoes are going to be like this, excuse me, like this when, um, when, when they eventually get worn out because he's going to put all, oh, he's going to put all the pressure on the inside sole of his inside left and horses are the same way. And, and what they do, you cannot. And, and, and I, somebody said, Oh, they can fix the foot. They cannot fix the foot. They can do that at the yearling sales. The horse isn't, isn't, isn't moving at a high rate of speed, but it, it, it's like this. It, and none of you guys, hopefully, have ever done this, is wearing high heels. It's like asking a woman to wear high heels that are different size heels on the back. There's no way. So my point is I want you to watch people walk and watch which how their feet place they place their feet on the ground you'll notice some people come in you'll notice some people come out you got your people that are built like this you got your people that walk like that now you know for example an old friend of mine had a patella problem the patella was built wrong where it was really off to the side which created a problem with with um, the ligaments in there, and what it did, it rubbed the ligaments. It, it, it really, it took all the cartilage between the patella and the meniscus. And what happened was, she was bone on bone. So what she had to go in is get a gel uh, 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 shots in the kneecap between the bone and the meniscus to make sure she had padding there when she walked. But that's because she was built wrong through the knee. Horses are are not any difference. Horses have six bones on their knees. And what happens when a horse opens their knees and they're not locked, the bones come apart. But when they come back down together, the bones hook up together, not hook up together, but they get together and they lock. So let's say you have a knee that's built that way, that's built over here. When it hits the ground, it puts all the square pressure on the inside joints, on the bottom joints, on the top joints, on the right, everything. And that's what causes knee problems. That's why when you take x-rays, you know, or the babies, it's how they're built through the knees. If they're built through the knees and they walk through the knees beautifully, even though they may be a little crooked, but if they walk through the knees well, without any problem, they're probably going to be okay. But then if you have, like I've showed you, horses that actually rotate like this from the shoulder down to hit the ground correctly, those are not going to stay sound. And they're not going to be able to go a distance of ground because the ability to go a distance of ground is, is tied into the ability of putting your feet down right consistently. We showed you the great one. We showed you life is good. We showed you Roman Centurion. We showed you Rod Charlie. All of them have some kind of defects in the way they move through their joints and rotate through their joints that makes it super Uh, It makes it very hard for them to focus and put their feet down correctly. And what I mean by feet, putting their feet down square, not landing on the outside of their left front, not landing on the inside of the outside of their right heel and mean square. So when I when I deal with friends of mine who are looking to buy horses, the first thing I look for is how horses actually place their feet on the ground, because if they put it off to the side or they actually don't walk through the knees and they snap like this when they're walking and you can see the snapping, you don't want anything to do with that. So as you're looking at people walk, you can tell the good walkers. I walk like Shaggy Shaggy from Scooby Doo. That's what I do. I look, I am a Shaggy. Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, Walker. That's what I am. And each one of us has its own different ways. And what happens, every one of us that, that walks a little bit different uh, as can, can have issues regarding to the way you walk, to your back, to your, to your hips, to everything. So what happens for, uh, for myself, and, and to compare it to horses, my problem is I walk like Shaggy Do because my my back comes back down like this. I, the last two, uh, bottom of my of my this, they kind of come up at a hook at the bottom. So what happens if I walk a little different? That hook at the bottom of my spine starts to get more of an angle. so I'm putting all the pressure on the back on the lower back. My mom had the same problem. Same thing with horses. You're putting the pressure and on the bottom you know uh, of, of your back. Some guys have problems with their neck because maybe their necks are built straight up. So any concussion comes up, the neck is straight, you basically get the three two three T3 T4 T5 compacted together and you have a major problem there. Everybody's got an issue, but I can tell you it comes from the way you walk and the way you are built. And and so by doing this exercise, I want you to look at your loved ones, I want you to look at kids, I want you to look at everybody and just get in your mind how those people are walking and where they're putting their pressure on and you can be able to almost say i bet you that guy's got back problems i bet you that guy's going to have knee problems bet you that guy probably is foot now here i'll give you another another idea how many of you have high arches and how many of you are flat-footed when you're flat-footed you're high arches hit. you, you, when you got flat feet, you're going to put a lot of pressure. You're like, compared to a horse, it's like you're straight up. What I mean is from a horse's foot, it goes straight up to the ankle, straight up to the knee. There's no give. There's no angle. Okay. When there's no angle and you hit the ground with flat feet, it goes right up through your knees, up into your hips. But if you have an arch, it actually gives you some cushion, but here's what happens with an arch. If you don't, like, I cannot, walk bare, I cannot walk barefooted. If I walk barefooted, my lower back kills me. Why? Because my arches end up hitting the ground. I lose complete um, ability that, to, to be able to, to handle my lower back to handle it because the hook in my back starts to come down. Okay? So, say, so with horses, it's the same thing. If they're flight-footed, they're straight up, it really creates all the concussion right through up through their limbs and they put 200 pounds per square inch of pressure. If you've got high arches, for example, I have actually torn the bottom of my arch playing soccer. That is the worst feeling in the world. But I have to wear arch supports and my shoes have to be a certain type. If I wear a flat shoe with no arch support, I can't walk the next day. So you have to make sure for your feet, Just like horses, you have to make sure that your feet and your shoes fit the way you're built. Now, with horses, they can even put a little pad in between the shoe and the foot. That sometimes can make the world a difference. But it's how they're built all the way up through the leg. You can't be built like a pogo stick. If you built like a pogo stick, you're going to end up having all the pressure going, all the concussion going right up through through your joints. You're not going to last long. And even as humans who are straight up with the flat feet, you're going to have a problem with that. Let me ask around. Who's got flat feet around here? All right, Stuart, what's the major problem you have with your flat feet? Where does it hurt you the most? Your back? Lower back. Lower back, exactly. Because what does, you're putting all the pressure on your lower back.
2: I have, I have problems a long time. It like could chronic lower back problems because of the trouble with my gait. For a lifetime, I have to, well, to watch my gait. You need
1: to be able to put shoes on that actually allow your feet to be the shock absorbers for your rest of your body. Horses are the same way. But so if they're built crooked and they toe out like this, okay, and they don't walk well through the knee, then you're going to see that that whole rotation. And that rotation that takes a lot of focus for them to put their feet down on the ground correctly. Let me go to another level. How many of you have known or are ADHD? Anybody? No, come on, Ron. You don't have the ADHD. Are you really? Okay. Let me ask you, Ron. Having attention deficit. Yeah, I really am. Okay. When you have that, you have to work very hard to be able to focus on what you're doing. Extremely. What happens when when you get to
0: the point of exhaustion?
1: Mentally. I nap.
0: Seriously, I mean, now a lot of that's because of COVID, and I've been able to, but you you have to. What's that?
2: You make mistakes when you get tired. You make mistakes. Oh, you're damn right. But
1: but 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 wait a minute. What it does, really, it breaks your mind. It it basically, I, I again, here I go. Somebody that I knew, and she would get, um, if she had to really pay really close attention and focus. Her mind would snap. Her mind would absolutely snap by, by, by 7, 8, 38 o'clock. She couldn't handle anything, you know? And, and it took me a while to understand and to kind of have to deal with it and understand those things. With horses, look at the tappets. You get a tappet. I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. There was a, a constitution when he, start, when he was training before he ever started for Pletcher. I mean, he was phenomenal. And as a tappet, I'm kind of waiting to see the day that he snaps his mind. And what I mean by snaps his mind is that you, you get them, they're going. Mohamed's is a great example, too. They're going great. They're straight. They're going down the lane. They're straight. They're, everything they're doing is right. They're doing their they're, they're racehorses. And then all of a sudden, they run in one race. And all of a sudden, you get the coming down the lane, doing that. Mohamed became a nutcase after two, three starts because the Tappets only have a certain level. They're like, to me, Tappets at like a candle. And you burn that candle all the way down and there's nothing left and and they're gone. They're mentally gone. And and their mind is kind of frail. The mayor of Tappet, I believe was Preach, she was a nutcase. She drove Shug McGay crazy. She was talented. But their mental stability is it's like a rubber band. And the more you pull on that rubber band, the thinner it gets, their ability. Some horses, the more you pull on some horses, the thicker it gets. And they're just tough as nails. And those are the Zinatas, Those are the California Chromes. Those are the, uh, the Alphabet Soups. Those are the cigars. Those are all the greatest horses you've ever seen. Tis now. You know, but what what the difference is, is their mind is able to be able to, to stand all that pressure and keep going. Tom Brady is one the human that you look at Joe Montana until he started to break down body wise. Um, so when you're looking at at, at horses and in, 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 in mentally, I can 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 tell you immediately when I see a tap it go go the wrong, go the wrong way. And then they're so hard to bring back because now you got to freshen up their mind. You got to get them to relax. You got to get them to now they're already up high here in their mind. How are you going to bring that mind back down again? And that's the toughest part. So not only is it a physical breakdown in some horses, but it's a mental breakdown that's even more deceiving. Because when they start doing if us, if we have a mental breakdown, we go take a nap, right, Ron? and relax, and we take some time off, we go to the, the, you know, go go to the beach, you know, we do things. Horses don't have that capability. No, that
2: no, to speak now. to the ADHD, uh, I dated a woman for, for several years that had a bad case that I studied, I studied on it some, and sometimes there's no fixing it, one of the things I found out that, uh, they tend to leave doors open. She used to leave the refrigerator door open and the cabinet doors open all the time. And it would drive me crazy. Why can't you just close the door? And when I got to studying about it, that's a characteristic of ADHD people with a certain, in a certain spectrum. There are seven different spectrums. But, and there's no fixing that. She couldn't get over. She's never going to be able to overcome that. Never did.
1: Yeah. Did she ever leave the faucet running and take the dog out?
2: Uh, she asked me to move to Florida with her and I told her, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad, <laughs> but you I just know, have songs running point. through my head. <laughs> great
1: point, Kevin. I mean, but, and, and, and the same thing with horses, horses aren't very different. I call tapas ADD. What I think is horses like, um, authentic was ADD at the beginning and then they got them right. Um, uh, who else was his horses that I felt were a little tappity. Um, uh, I, I thought independence all used to be, and he got better. Um, but you know, there's a lot of horses that I see that. And I just basically try to stay away from them. Uh, I think he you, good at some of that. Anyway.
0: Do you see, do you see that in the current tappets on the three-year-old trail, essential quality, uh, greatest quality honor and proxy
1: Essential uh, quality is one of the best mannered uh, uh, racehorses for by Tappet that I have seen.
0: Okay, so you got the uh, greatest honor and Proxy.
1: Proxy wants to lug out bad down the lane. He's another one. Um, uh, greatest honor. You know the funny thing about the Tappets, the small ones? that don't look like much, they're not, they're the slightest built. Those are the best tappets. You don't want a big, heavy tappet. And that's the thing about greatest honor. You know, he's one of those small um, athletic type um, um, tappets. I just don't know if he's as good as people think he is. As we Could know. he,
0: could he close on a horse veering out 10 paths? <laughs> Some horses that doesn't bother Unless they're on the outside, well, I'm just saying that greatest honor could have seized on what happened to Life Is Good, and if he was in that race the other day, it could have been. Interesting. Yeah, but but my but my point is, is is greatest honor isn't fast enough. Mm, what was the pay? Well, yeah, you're right. Okay, in that race, maybe you're right. He's
1: not fast enough; they can't yeah. win that
0: time. Yeah,
3: you know. Ron, to, segue, and then, to segue into your point and something that Bruno has been talking about it, with the Tappets, uh, a Tappet hasn't won at a mile and a quarter in the Derby? Is it because of at some point in time their mind goes? I was looking and along with that you're talking about gates and, and the way they you know the feet, the legs how they're built and, all, and everything that we've talked about. I went back and looked at replays of all the Derby Derby contenders to this point. Um, unless I'm blind um, Essential Quality has a paddle on his left front.
1: He does. He does. Uh,
3: is, is that something Bruno that is that going to is that going to cause an issue down the road or is that something he's going to overcome?
1: You, you know, who had the, that kind of paddle was shared belief. Okay. Um, again, it takes a horse with a very strong constitution in mind to be able to handle that. Thank you. If, if they show me they can do it now, we haven't seen him go a mile on an eighth yet. Good point. Okay. So now we need to see how he handles a mile on an eighth. A mile on an eighth is, is that, that thin red line that you got to pass. If you can't go a mile and 8 an eighth, you're not going to go a mile and a quarter. So that's something we need to look forward to. Um, that's a good point though. And the one thing about the tappets, most of them are really good movers. I And I owned a tappet. I was one of the first guys that actually bought a tappet for $105,000 in 2010 as a two-year-old. I think. Tappet was still standing for 25,000 at the time. And he was, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now about Tappet, so I would have handled him completely different. He won first time out and one of the best performances you should see from a first time starter. And then his antics began, you know, he, he was hard to deal with. He wanted to run off. He didn't relax. He won. He, he won two out of his first three starts. But he was really hard to deal with, you know. Um, and I wish I knew then what I know now about him. Um, about you know, I think we would have handled completely. Still, he earned a hundred thousand. I just just couldn't get him across to the next level. <clears throat> but um, but overall, you know, you I've learned to to see. Well, I'll tell you, like the into mischiefs they're just mentally tough. They're mentally tough and he stamps them. They're all big, good looking, fast horses. Um, And and then I have an advantage because I kind of understand them as stallions. um, Violence is very, very good. Violence is a terrific animal. Uh, and And he stamps his horses even with the way he's built. You know, he broke down for Todd. He broke down in the sesamoids for Todd. You know, I think he won the Florida Derby, guys. Am I right? I can't remember. He won a huge race for Todd. Uh, He was either that or it was the, um, might have been the Holy Bull of the the, um, Fountain of Youth. But um, he was phenomenal. And he kind of throws that, he throws you know, he sires babies that have a lot of rotation in the lower part of their 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 front legs. And what that happens when you have horses and when they walk, they're doing one when they're going like this. When they walk, think about it when they're running. They're actually clipping themselves like this if they come close together. So and that creates a problem. And and they don't stay sound. What did he win?
0: Uh, he finished second to orb by a half length in the fountain of youth in his final race. Prior to that, he won his first three, a maiden, the Nashua and the old cash call futurity at Hollywood park. Yeah,
1: that's it. He was, he was a phenomenal racehorse violence, you know, and, but when you're watching horses, like, for example, like I said, constitution, um, Sean, go back and look at Constitution on some of the videos. He's also he wasn't built altogether. Uh, I believe I want to say the left front. You know, he, he had a, he had a lot of action on that left front, but he was so talented and his mind was so strong that he was able to do that. He couldn't do it consistently, but he did it. Um, and that's what makes some horses claimers, despite their pedigree, despite their their ability and what they have, is they just cannot take the pressure mentally and physically and they have to run at levels where their pressure is lot less and and to be able to handle the competition so that's another thing then you got horses like Kona Gold who didn't have much of a stride when they hold held them together he looked like his wheels are going to fall off he didn't pick up his feet too far off the ground but he was a fast sprinter for six and a half to seven furlongs he was phenomenal because he couldn't go any further because he couldn't keep his wheels together going any further so a lot of the times when people talk about pedigree Uh, And uh, the pedigree of that animal says it can go long because the way they're built and the horses built was correct and allow those horses to put their feet down on the ground and not put undue stress on their mind to be able to handle the distance of ground. Sometimes sure? that's what I really believe pedigree is, is the ability of having a sound horse, a good moving horse, and the ability of carrying that, that speed at, that, at a distance was because of their ability of their mind to, to maintain stride integrity integrity for the entire time that they were going. And and I think that that sometimes we believe that this pedigree is a magical, it's a magical uh, formula, or it's a magical thing that that makes horses do. And I've watched horses that I go, that horse will never go a distance of ground. I don't care what he's bred. That's because the way they move and the way their brain is built and, and wired.
3: The one trainer, I maybe it's just me, but the one trainer I think that does a Better job than others. And I don't know, again, if it's just me, but Asmussen does a great job with tappets, I think, more, better than most trainers. And that's something I've known. Yeah, I know.
1: You're right. Absolutely. Why, you, why is you that? You should brutal? see him train. You should see him train, Sean. You'll take tappets and you'll put them behind two horses and you'll just make them sit back there. <clears throat> what he does, he trains their mind. It's not about fitness there. He puts them behind two horses and makes them go for a distance of ground, and lets him focus. I'll tell you, you know what I do? I do this with Joe. We have a place here in Del Rey where I can go take a walk with him, and there's an area where uh, the, the sidewalk splits near the beach, and you have an inner sidewalk and you have an outside sidewalk, and it has a little wall that's maybe about three feet wide. So what I do is I want to teach Joe to be much more focused. So how what I do is I let him hop up on that wall. So he's got to go on the wall. He can't get down. There'll be there'll be a lot of different stimuli. There there'll be dogs walking one way, there'll be people walking around, there'll be people walking towards us. And I keep telling him, "Good boy," and he walks on that wall. Then he's got to get down off that wall when there's a break and then get back on the wall and I go down up and, and and he's got it down now where we do that. And maybe in about five days that we've been doing that, he's only jumped off the wall once. And that's because he tried to look behind him and he lost his balance and, and and then it got back on. Um, But what it all about is making him focus doing this. Stay here. And, and and that's what Asmussen does. He trains their mind to be stronger by putting them behind horses and says, gallop here and don't move. Good point. Good observation. He is very good. He's the best. He's you a smart dude, man. Joe? I got to tell you. You getting blinkers for Joe? No, he doesn't need blinkers. <laughs> no, he doesn't need blinkers. You know, like, you do. Uh, yeah, you know, um, but the the thing is, is that the other day he was pulling me so hard on, he was so confident on that small strap of, lap of, of, of slab of concrete that he was going at a good rate. He was making me run with him, you know, which is great. You know, it's it's only about a half a mile to three quarters of a mile. But what it is is that I'm, you know, we go there, turn around and come back again. And then, you know, and, and, and I've tried to build him up and it really works. It really gets him to focus. And that's what Asmussen is doing. And that's what a lot of guys do. Some other guys do the same thing with horses with every single one. And, and then you get a trainer. When a trainer tells you, oh, God, I have no, no luck with any tappets, it's because they don't put the work in that they think they don't understand what they need to do with the tappets.
3: I noticed one trainer, and now that you have mentioned that, about how Asshousen does it, in knowing the way Baffert trains his trainer or trains his horses, Baffert's awful with tapirs. He doesn't have very many, and the ones he's had, they've been they've been brutal in my eyes. And I would have to imagine it's that runoff mentality. You know, Baffert trains his horses for speed, right? I mean, that's and he, it, it's tough for a tapir mentally to overcome that type of program. Would I be rational in my thinking or in my off my rocker
1: no no you're right i, I think it all depends on the tab he had flashback yeah um he had uh that thing of uh coliseum yes. from godolphin that looked like great horse and he just fell apart because he was just a runoff yep. it, yeah pat tap if baffert has not had success with tappets and and kind of understandably so he demands them to be strong mentally he needs a strong mental mental horse yeah. Uh, and, and and you know what? The good tappets are not big boned heavy tappets. They are the lightly light frames, uh, light framed, skinny, long type of horse. And that's not kind of a, the horse that Baffert's going to do well. Baffert needs a horse that he can pound on, that has got an excellent uh, exoskeleton on him. And that he can be able to do the things that he needs to do to get that horse going in the right direction. He needs to be able to pound on him. You can't pound on a little skinny thing that's going to go sideways You mentally if you do too much with him. If I was to train, if I were ever to, yeah, not that I'll ever do it. But if I were to train a tabit, I'd want to do the least as possible. Get them fit, but don't do that much with them. Don't blow their minds. You blow their minds, they're gone. It's like your candle. When you run your candle all the way down to the bottom, you got nothing left. And, you know, and and looking at a lot of stallions, too, you know, like, for example, Honor Code. Um, Honor Code, Honor Codes, all of them, I always look at them behind because Honor Code always had hind problems as a young horse. And Shug got him over it as he got older. But as a three-year-old, he had problems behind. And I find that a lot of honor codes can be on the weekend behind. So having horses in 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 a week behind, you really gotta make sure there they are uh, you gotta you gotta build up that hind end, or else there, there'll be a turf horse or you're gonna burn them out on the on on, on, on the dirt. Uh, and another um, type of horse that I noticed, Noble Mission, um, code of honor. Um, uh, stallion. Noble Mission, I uh, believe, was a half to Frankel or full to Franco, Ron.
0: I'll look. Pretty sure. But I, tell me even, again. Oh, give, me, give me the name again because I was Noble multitasking. Noble, Noble Mission. Was a, I think he was a full.
1: Right. But Noble Mission, what I've noticed about his horses, they handle dirt, but they have to be the light ones. Code of Honor is not very big. He's a really lightly made type noble uh noble mission uh, Caracanti is the same thing caraconte is out of a storm cat mare there's a storm cat mare in there and and that gives them the speed but Caracanti's also are turf horses but on the dirt the lighter ones the smaller ones are able to handle things not the big heavy ones kittens Joy's is a greatest example the lighter make kittens joys are phenomenal however only grass and i saw guys buying these big heavy um thundering big kids joys who didn't look athletic at all and they were no good and they spent a lot of money on them and they didn't stay sound so each individual stallion has its own little way of uh, uh, of you have to look at each individual stallion in a different way when i look at a young horse i look and see and look at the pedigree and say who does he look like i want to find the horse that doesn't look like the stallion I want to find the horse that doesn't look like the, the, the usual looking horse from that stallion. I want to find the, the, the outlier because the outliers are going to have a different trait to them. Maybe they'll pick up from the mare. They'll pick up from the second and third generation. Um, I've seen some horses that were second, third uh, generation from the minstrel. I don't know if you guys remember him. But the minstrel, they would have a lot of chrome, but they were light and they were long and they were fast. And, and and you can see that uh, in them. Um, so a lot of the times when I look at horses, I look at little horses in a completely different way than anybody else does. I try to see where, where their body's coming from, what do they look like, um, and what they're going and, and how their body is gonna, how they're gonna be able to use their bodies. Um, one thing about the intermissions at in the beginning, the intermissions used to be very top heavy where on the front end they were top heavy. I don't like those. When they're top heavy on the front in the chest area, that means they put a lot of pressure on the front end. When they put a lot of pressure on the front end, you're gonna have more problems on the front end. So, you need a well-balanced horse, but I always, I, I, I look at every horse in a different way. I bought a Divining Rod filly, which is by, she's, he was by Tappet, he was an Arnold Delacour. He ran behind Sharp Azteca, he ran behind uh, uh, American Pharaoh. He was a very good sprinter, but he never tried the turf. His mare of Divining Rod was a half-sister uh, to kitten's Joy, but he never went on the turf, if I remember correctly. I, and I got a filly that's just a beautiful filly, you know that that it's got everything that I wanted in a racehorse, and did not look like a typical uh, dividing rod or a kitten's joy. Um, so just things like that that you, when you look, you got to have an idea of when you're looking at a horse on on who the mother, who the father is, and knowing a little bit about them to be able to get a good idea. But then again, you got to know whether some of them just their mind, when their mind just just snaps they're not going to be any good and i want to know the ones who have that short wick uh you know because those are the ones that can get off in a hurry going back to life is good he's showing signs of stress he's incredibly talented And, and then the baffert factor however he's showing signs that the stress gets to him when he's running and he cannot run in a straight course that is the most dangerous horse that you can have that 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 makes you believe he can do anything but really he can't
0: ron bruno <laughs> i'm sorry you needed something no um do you have anything
1: else that you wanted to bring up
0: oh i could well i, I well i should uh, I, I'm seeing that uh, Paul Sherwin says I should, and Mac W says I should. Uh, anyway, a little something something. Blue Cat. Brendan Walsh was hoping to race him this weekend. Quote I put him in the Columbia Stakes of Tampa Bay on Saturday, and he didn't have enough earnings. He's on the also eligibles. I need to find something else I can do with him. That was part of about a 25 minute interview I did with him at Clockers. Much of which was heard on the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. But thank you for catching up with that, Bruno, and for catching up with the story that included Blue Cat at Horse Racing Nation.
1: <laughs> well done, Ron. Yeah, I did. this weekend was. Um,
0: yeah, now of- don't make any excuses because I don't want to hear that you were watching us. You, you caught yourself on a screen as you were making the turn for home. You know, I mean, come on. You didn't, you didn't catch up with it. And that's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, the, the eggplant palm the was beer?
1: burning. Are you done with the soap opera, Ron? <laughs> <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah I, I saw you drifting out. You were driving to get some groceries, and you went from the fast lane to the right lane, just you know, just like that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you just made a, a path from the two path to the twelve path as you were driving okay, to get groceries. Your brain, you
1: know? your brain just snapped right now.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Very little. <laughs>
1: Uh, But anyway, guys, I think this has been a really um, an interesting uh, zoom because we've really gotten into a position to talk about things that you don't hear really in a lot of places, uh, mostly about the way horses move and how it affects them. Um, Some of the greatest horses that have ever lived had a beautiful way of going and they got stayed out of their own way. But they also had one thing in common. They had a great brain. Their brain allowed them to be able to move fast, move, you know, uh, move fast through the joints, move fast throughout without expanding any extra energy. And I think that is the biggest key of any horse, expanding that energy in a manner that they can, that, how do I put it? Uh, The less expensive energy. Efficiency.
0: If an efficiency. The less you expand, the more you have left. It takes you further.
1: Hey, see, it makes sense in my mind, but you don't want to. You don't want to use up all your. It's why you know when you see a horse run off at the beginning of a race. You see them run off, and they
0: usually don't have anything left. Or in like case, f- like Fenway the other day, like Fenway on Friday, ran off, nothing left. People don't understand horses
1: running off. Also. And that's when they grab the rider, and the rider is basically just being wow. dragged. And their ears are straight up, and their heads up in the air. Usually, people say, "Oh, look how fast he's going!" Rider's got a big hold on him; he can go faster. The rider, they, they, you know, the rider ha- basically is just a—he's in the drive. He's not even in the driver's seat. Passenger. Passenger seat. He's got. He, he doesn't have brakes, but that horse will have some part of the race will have an issue finding another gear i love horses that can go easy speed up come back to the rider speed up i showed you with charlie's penny that one in that one race made a move stop made another move made it you know i mean it made about three four moves and i said that horse can rock and sure enough that horse was able to ride at nine to one so those are the little things and Ron, I really had a good time at the Zoom class tonight. I kind of allowed myself to let myself run off with some of the stuff that I can share with people that you don't get to hear all the time. And you were absolutely right about saying about things that you heard from the press box or from downstairs watching those horses run with no uh, crowd with no noise, no, no uh, cheering, and you can actually hear those horses breathe. And sometimes if it sounds like a shotgun went off, that is a horse that just entrapped
0: uh, and basically cut off his air. Mm. Something we've learned in this Zoom class and in this podcast as well, all about horses breathing. So it's not just about the results of the race, but... Knowledge for life. You heard it, didn't you? You could. I
1: did. It. It's amazing, you know, and and that's part of the game that a lot of fans don't get to really experience. And and I, you know, and I was really glad that we were able to open it up and talk about that because it's part of the game. And a lot of the handicapping with the biases and the figures, people forget that these animals are flesh and blood, and they have interesting ways of
0: performing, and sometimes it's less than perfect. I'll tell you one thing about not having the crowd there, and I want to have crowds there again for a lot of reasons, but there are the conveniences that you get and the benefits of not having them there and hearing things that you don't otherwise hear in a horse race. Got to hear those Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday when I was there last week, but I'll tell you this one other thing, Bruno. You go to restaurants now, and if there are some, like the Derby in Arcadia, where you can sit indoors, but you're spaced apart. I'll tell you, when we get back to normal, the restaurateurs may not like this, but I wouldn't mind having those tables just as spaced apart when we get back to normal. There's a little more food for thought on food as we're traveling around to racetracks.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes when we're alone and we're separated by a little bit of distance, we can actually breathe. But when you're all packed in like sardines, sometimes you cut off your own air.
0: Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.